0: Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I am Sean Genevieve. I'm Rex Williams. It is part two of our interview with our friend Brian Hurley, a Lean Six Sigma practitioner that has put together two volumes now of a book called Lean Six Sigma for Good, which you can check out at Lean Six LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. Is that the number six or the letters six? That's a great question, Rex A. Williams. It is the uh, spelled out uh, six, so L E A N S I X S I G M A F O R G O O D dot C O M. All the letters. Okay. All the letters. <clears throat> yes. No. No numerals. Uh, You're going to get the answer to the question that we left you off with, which was, how did Tracy get engaged with the organization she was supporting down in San Diego? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to episode part one. Yeah. And also, I listened to part one, and there's no alligator story in there. (laughs) 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 He tricked me you trigger. know we just we have to make Such sure everybody's paying attention <laughs> okay but there's probably a better stories yeah there. Than you, you know what we we dive into we dive into some stories um and more information about the two volumes um which you know what? We'll we'll bring you a special message at the end of the episode related to that. For now, let's just let you get back to part two of our interview with Brian Hurley. How do people like us? I mean, look, I'm a consultant now. Um, yep. I like to help people. I think I have some continuous improvement capabilities and skill set. Um, you know, how, how would I find a problem like this in a nonprofit
1: yeah. And so um I used to live in Portland and we had a group trying to figure out what how how to do that exactly. Um because I think there is a challenge there and in her chapter she talked about that there was a group that was that that the organization was seeking out help on. So somewhere they had background and if I remember right and I apologize if I mess up the different stories but um someone in the organization may have had some experience in industry with that background and said, we need to bring this in. Uh, So sometimes that's where it starts. Um, So in Portland, we had a volunteer group of people that were trying to engage with local nonprofits and it came out in many different ways in how they needed the help or how we were able to connect to them. Sometimes it was like a networking event and you just say, we have this background and one of the executive directors says, I know what that is. We could totally use your help. Others look at you blank, like I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I don't think we're that bad, but I guess it's worth you know having a discussion, and then you kind of get into it, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, we we definitely need your help." Once we kind of understand that, and so it it, it depended a little bit, just like anything, on like the leadership team or executive team um, at that organization to say. We need this help, and someone's providing that skill set, but they may not know that they need the help or that there's resources out there. So we've been trying to figure out how do you get them interested. So we tried some free workshops. Um, we tried to just make networking connections with people. Most of it was um, what I feel feel like will work best is: Do you already know an organization you like and work with? Mm that you can reach out to and say, by the way, I have this skill set. I think as I've been a volunteer here, I've noticed that things don't run as smoothly as they could. There are ways to address that. Would you be open to some help or training or can we step out of the process a little bit and kind of look at what you're trying to accomplish? and, And if it's more than one person's task, I might be able to pull some other people I know to help out with that. And most people, like to do it if they have the time. Um, So it's just trying to figure out how to connect those groups together that may not be talking the same language at this point. Uh, So we end up doing, you know, five, six different engagements with organizations. Um, And I I was most worried that our volunteer group would be the one holding up the organizations, like, because most of us work full-time and then we're coming at off hours or maybe even leaving during the day for a little bit and going back to work. Right. But we, we struggled for the nonprofits to have time to meet with us. They were so they're, busy. It's too stuff busy. That they yeah. we the ones <laughs> slowing down our engagement. And I was kind of surprised by that, but it kind of told us too, that they're trying to do too much. Right. They've got so much need and, and drive to do that. And there's so many things that they want to go do that then you get into this uh, too many tasks, too many projects dilemma. And then we know that nothing will get done if you've got 20 things that each person is doing and you've got five people doing 20 projects, zero projects will get finished. Um, and so just even working through some stuff like that to say, you can't have this many projects. Gotta, we got to do three and do these three well and then we'll get them done faster and then we can actually pick up three more next quarter and we'll get done through the year of 10 or 12 projects but right now we're doing trying to do all of them and they're 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 all getting being done partially or not at all right and they fall apart and they don't really get put in correctly sustained and then it's kind of like feels like it was a waste of time so those are some of the things we kind of started to see is um, they were spreading themselves really thin.
0: Do they typically respond uh to that input when when you're telling them you know look it looks like there's too much too much on the plate here let's let's focus on these three things. Are they good with that or or do they say, uh, no, you don't understand <laughs> we we've, we've got to keep going. we can't slow down for that
1: Yeah, we have to do all these. And it's still just like, yes, I, I see that, but there's always more projects you could be doing too. So, um, But the the science behind this says that this won't go well. Right. <laughs> We've seen this play out everywhere. Yep. It's just the principle that you're overloading the system. And just like cars on the road, you get too many cars on the road and nothing gets through. It's a traffic jam and... That's what's happening with these projects. So I think they eventually kind of get it that, yeah, this isn't really working as well as we like. And it would be better if we could just figure that out and make the tough calls to say we're not going to pursue this. And we are going to pursue these things, but we're going to do these well. Um, so I think that's some of the learning we can provide is uh, these are not unique. A lot of these may not be unique just to those organizations, that these are pretty general stuff that they're encountering.
0: Well, I appreciate you using a uh, a road metaphor here on the Distracted Driving <laughs> podcast. It's funny. I was going to go with um, the train metaphor. You know, the train is headed down the track and the bridge is out ahead. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. everything's great right now. The train's moving, yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's going to fall off the track pretty soon. Um, okay. So... Are the the folks that, um, well, how many different authors did you say you had over the course of the two volumes?
1: 16 total. 16. Or I guess 17 16. with one, and then myself is included in one of them. So I think, yeah, 17 officially.
0: And so one story per, so you get 17 stories?
1: 16 stories, two authors on one. Okay. There was a shared group between um, on a community a thrift store and two people were working on it and wrote different parts of it.
0: And and so what was your um, original goal, I guess, with putting it together? I mean, you were were hearing these stories, you collected them, you thought, wow, this is enough for a book. Uh, What were you hoping would happen once you got that put together and shared?
1: Yeah, so the other piece of this was trying to figure out, do we make this free book? Or do we make it a paid book? And I like the idea of like trying to have some benefit for the organization by divvying up the proceeds for it. So, And most of the time, the author who's talking about an organization, they're donating the proceeds to that organization uh, for the most part. So I thought that would be a neat way to kind of maybe the organizations would get on board and help promote it. Um, the author's like to see that organizations are helping maybe get some benefit out of it. Um, so that was, that was part of the reason. And then, yeah, hoping, hoping just people reach out in the process improvement community and see that or that uh, some of the nonprofits want to share that with other groups or their teams to help them understand examples. Um, so I feel like the, the case studies are help them see the results like the, Meals increasing from 260 to 800. And they're going to say, well, how did you do that? And right. a lot of times they're going to look for the solutions, which is great, but we really want to teach them the process of how to get to the solution because it's going to look different for each organization. They have different challenges, different needs, different setups, different uh, limitations, different skill sets. Like So they can't replicate exactly what that other organization did. But the process of how you get there is, well, we can probably – help teach them that um, because, yeah, that's what we learned and that's what our background is. It it Um, comes
0: back to the principles. And and, um, I see a lot of times um, inside organizations or just on job postings or wherever, uh, somebody's asking for help and they, they characterize the help as wanting somebody with experience doing a very specific thing. And a lot of times I look at those, and i'm I'm going, "Well, wait a minute. How is a person who has uh, I don't know gotten experience on a uh, an airplane that flies at seven hundred miles an hour and can take off and land vertically? You're looking for continuous improvement help. What difference does it make whether they've already worked on a plane like that, or whether they know how to go and use a set of tools? to solve a problem, whether that problem is, you know, Hey, we're only getting half the meals out that we need to, or we're only getting half the widgets out or whatever. It's those transferable principles and and skills that I think you're right. That's, that's our value proposition is being able to, uh, to come in and, and my goal is always to try to, hey, here's my glasses. Like, can you see it through this lens now?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. give them the glasses to see the uh, the stuff that you see and are used to picking up and that they're not used to seeing that yet. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of getting to the fundamentals of I don't care really what the how the sausage is made, so to speak, in the middle of that process, I just need, I'm looking at the inputs and outputs of it, and when I change this, what happens on the output side? And there's certain principles you look for in the process flow that, why does something go here, and why does it do that? That kind of goes against the principles, so I'm going to highlight that as something wrong, whether it's a, a, a part being ordered for aircraft or uh, f- food being delivered in to create a meal it's kind of the same principles there. And so teaching that and helping people see what they may not see today, um, those have been really helpful and useful skills, I think. Um, We haven't gone too deep beyond that. I mean, it's stuff like workplace organization and 5S and value stream mapping and one piece flow and visual controls and maybe some data analysis A little bit of statistics, not a ton. Um, Well,
0: you got to know that you need 500 meals.
1: Yeah. You got to make sure you can measure how many you actually are doing. Right. And track that over time and use that in part of your reviews and feedback for your process. And engage your teams and volunteers to show them what's important for this organization and why. And then where's the gap? right? It's that defining the problem is, is seems straightforward, but sometimes that can be really difficult.
0: Oh, no, no, it's not. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I teach a, a class on on that. Now, I, we just talked about it last night in in class, uh, maybe it was last week, but but this idea of, of making sure that we've identified the real problem to solve. Because people come to me all the time and people walk around all the time uh, my kids come to me with a solution masquerading no. as a problem <laughs> i need a new bike okay well what's the problem the problem is i need a new bike no that's the solution what's the problem <laughs> the tire's flat oh you need a tire repair <laughs> you were solving the wrong problem <laughs>
1: Well, the tire repair is not exciting. That's uh, right. a new software system for the your business. That's exciting. Right. Fixing and getting a ticket to fix one of the reports that's boring and it's not as exciting. And so, <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to pitch the solution that sounds more fun. And,
0: and so many so many teams they they end up doing the wrong thing more efficiently. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I love the, um, just being able to say, like, talk to your next customer or end customer and ask them what they think about what you're doing and how many times people come back and say, I don't even look at that. I don't need that. (laughs) It's not necessary. (laughs) And it's just like, this is the easiest improvements to make is just quit doing half the stuff you're doing. Just, you just got to talk to the people and find out which parts they like and which parts they don't like. And, so much improvement right there just from uh, understanding what they actually need um, and asking that question. And I think it just assumes that, yeah, they're going to need all the detail. No, they don't. In fact, they don't want it, and they it, it actually adds time on their plate because they got to f- fight and sift through all the stuff you're sending them to get to the heart of what they really need. I
0: was uh... – I was asked to look at the receiving inspection process for the 737 program years ago. And so I went out there with a couple other industrial engineers and we mapped out the process and walked it with the people and looked at this giant backlog of things that were sitting on conveyor belts going, oh my God. <laughs> and, and as we got through everything, there was this one step of the process where they opened the box, they looked for the letter... Of uh quality compliance from the vendor, and they were looking for a specific sentence that was on there, and they would highlight the sentence and then they would tape it back onto the part or whatever and send it on its way i mean it it was a considerable uh, amount of of effort, multiplied times you know how many thousands of boxes they're getting a day, so he we said well why where's this going like what what value is this adding because they weren't doing anything with it." Mm-hmm. I said, well, uh, it's just part of our process. Okay. So I looked into it. I couldn't find any process documentation that said that they had to do that.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and the whole idea that, like, you, you've had a supplier management organization go out and qualify these people, they're either qualified or they're not. Whether they put that sentence on their invoice <laughs> makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah. And. Yeah. And now you've created this bottleneck. You know, Let's say somebody didn't put it on there. Look at all the extra work now somebody's going to go do to send it back, get it added, all the delays. Meanwhile, you can't deliver a 737 to the so customer worries. because, yeah.
1: <laughs> Millions of dollars stuck in um, – It's it, – people uh, just get a used, a used to
0: yeah. – Yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's inertia. It's inertia. Well, this is what we were doing when I got here, and this is what we're going to keep doing because a body in motion wants to stay in motion and a body at rest will stay at rest. And a body that has to look for that sentence on the incoming receiving slip
1: still looks for the sentence on the incoming receiving slip. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So what's the distribution on the, uh, on the books? Uh, how, how do people get their hands on it?
1: I mean, through, um, Amazon, um, the other place that I had the book, which I thought was pretty um, interesting, was this. Um, I, I built the site, the book on LeanPub.com. So what they—I don't know if you're familiar with that—but it's basically a small batch, one at a time, chapter at a time release process that says your book is one chapter in. You can buy it at a low cost and we'll give you all the updates in the future um, but since it's not quite done yet the barrier to, to get it is low um, as you add chapters and the price goes up but it instead of waiting because I, I actually started this for the second volume before the uh, pandemic and so some of the chapters have been done two plus years and if I had done this traditional st- approach with a book this would be the first time anyone sees those chapters that were written maybe three years ago but at least it was available the whole time through the lean pub and those the first couple of chapters that are released prior to the pandemic and then the last few have were done just this year so um, I thought it was really interesting way of getting the you know release process to be more chapter based versus book based. Now yeah. Amazon doesn't want to see a partial book, right? So that is kind of batched up to the completed volume. But um, it di- it was available as each chapter got done, I would release it out um, until I got to the eighth one. Then I'm kind of closing that one up, and then I'll probably start another one here soon with a third volume.
0: So okay, I, I'm fascinated by that. So Lean Pub, um, you can let's say you you have. Two chapters of the book, you know it's going to be eight chapters. So -hmm. you put it on Lean Pub as two chapters, and you you set a price. And somebody comes, and let's say it's two dollars, five dollars, fine, five five dollars. I was going to go one dollar per chapter to make the math easy, Brian, but that's fine. We can go five (laughs) dollars. Okay, so five dollars for the two chapters, but but now the understanding is that when you add the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth chapter, I'm getting those for that same $5 price. Yep. And then do you, is there like a, a phase here? So you add three chapters. Now you, you went from two to five. Is it still $5 or for a new person? Is it? Now
1: it's like nine, $8, $10.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) So your early adopters get the benefit of being early adopters. Yep. And, um, and but here's the part I'm most intrigued about. So I wrote a book a few years ago and I published it myself. It's on Amazon. I use the, the Kindle publishing whatever it is. So it's on demand. So it's a similar thing where, you know, yep. I, I didn't have to go buy ten thousand books. Yep.
1: That's what But I
0: did. but you know, I really had to channel my inner Seth Godin and just ship it because I <laughs> I was like, I don't, I thought it's not done. I, I would think it's done. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd remember a story that I wanted to include that I didn't have any notes on. And I'm like, Oh, I got to put that one in there. And I actually wrote a blog post about what happens to idea 101. <laughs> because we had gone through this, uh, uh, this innovation challenge, uh, at work where they were soliciting, uh, the best ideas and they, they wanted, you know, they were going to, collect a hundred ideas and then down select from there. And and that was the next thing that we were going to go do. And I thought, boy, what about idea one Oh one? What about story one Oh one? So this allows you that grace to, (laughs) Hey, it's published. It's available. But if I think of chapter nine, it was going to be chapter eight, but now it's chapter nine. You can add it in there. And all those people that already bought it are going to get it.
1: Yep. Do that. Um, Now the, the Amazon book itself was locked, but you can also right. on the demand, you can go it's in electronic. and update that too. You can yep go in and add the new file and refresh it. And then next person that orders it on demand, they'll get the ninth chapter. So you don't have to go now, go to the printer and print up a whole nother batch of it. And now you got these uh, old versions of the book that you printed. Cause you guessed wrong on how many orders you had. So I knew like, I wasn't sure how many it would sell. It hasn't, sold a ton so i could My, have mine did bunch in advance <laughs> yeah could have afforded a bunch in, in advance and then i'd be sitting and carrying these boxes around yeah um all over the country to um figure out what to do with these things so yeah just not understanding your demand and um being stuck with this inventory was uh, something i was trying to avoid so i really liked that and i'd seen i think mark graben had done a book that way and i was like that makes a lot more sense to me in the way we think. So I was going to try that and, um, it has worked out a little better than, and then you can export that out and then provide that to Amazon when you're done in the formats that they, they need.
0: That's cool. And I assume LeanPub then just takes a, a percentage that is similar to what you'd see with Amazon or anybody else who's doing distribution, right?
1: Yep, and it's only like the e-books format.
0: Okay, that's the end of the second part of our interview with Brian Hurley. There's one more to go. Okay. Um, I, you know, I just I want to point out, and so I will, that uh, okay. you know we talked about seventeen authors uh, across two volumes, so sixteen stories and he's looking to put uh, probably at least a third edition together so if anybody nice. listening is uh, a lean practitioner or has some experience in that space specifically with the nonprofits give uh, give Brian a shout out he would love to have more stories to put into his next compilation
1: cool. and
0: i think we gave the address before but it is lean uh shoot. Lean6sigmaforgood.com. All letters, yeah. no no numbers. Lean6sigmaforgood.com. Yeah, that's a cool cool opportunity that you can be in his book if you have a good story. Indeed. And so one more part of our interview with Brian coming up next time.